In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my Upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Welcome back to The Big Cruise Podcast. It's episode four already. I can't believe how time is flying. And a particular big thank you to those of you that have taken a moment to get in touch and tell us what you think of the podcasts and often leaving a review. Uh, where possible, I will make a shout out to uh, anybody that does leave a review. And just to mention one that we received this week was uh, on last week's podcast, which was on uh, Tauk's MS Savor. Um, Sharon uh, got in touch to say, great review. Thank you so much for taking the time to share this insightful information. My pleasure, Sharon. And if you do happen to go on a cruise yourself in the not-too-distant future, uh, do get in touch. Now, if you do want to get in touch with us, you can do so on our website, uh, thebigcruisepodcast.com. There is a section called Join the Show. And within that, you can send us a cruise question, a cruise tip, or give me some details and we'll consider a cruise review. That website again, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Now, in this week's show, in just a moment, we're going to be talking to Chris Frame, who will... Uh, provide some maritime history and nautical facts, and also update us on the latest in the cruise news. And then a little later, we'll be joined by a cruiser who's going to review their recent experience on board the Carnival Splendour out of Sydney, Australia. Of course, this show is not possible with the help of our sponsors. You can find all of their details in the show notes and also on our website. But just to quickly mention, if you are looking for a cruise, please consider the team at cruisefinder.com.au. They're based here in Australia. Every call, chat and email is answered here in Australia by Australian cruise specialists. And each and every one of them is a clear accredited advisor. And of course, not forgetting our friends at Sandals and Sunsets, home of the Avarca Spanish Handmade Sandals. Uh, as I said, handmade in Spain, sold with love here in Australia. And all those details in the show notes and on the website. 
And once again, it's time for my favourite part of the show, and uh, we welcome Chris Frame to the show. Oh, hi. Nice to speak to you again. Yeah, you too, Chris. What's uh, happening back in time in the maritime history? Well, it's interesting because when you think about old cruise brands, the one that has been around for a very long time but doesn't usually come to mind is Holland America. Um, it's uh, a very popular brand. It's uh, had a very long history. And in 147 years ago, actually, it was founded this this month, uh, this week, uh, in fact. And uh, it was based um, originally as a Netherlands to America steamship operation. So they used to operate across the North Atlantic um, as a transatlantic line and were involved in the immigration rush across to the United States when it was and, and Canada uh, when they were both building their populations. Uh, and interesting, the, comp- the company was used um, and their ships were used during both world wars as well. So whilst companies like Orient Line and P&O and Cunard, for example, have this deep, rich history that's often associated with, with those sorts of world events, Holland America Line also does. Um, and on a personal note, my, my granddad actually went to, went to the war zone on um, a Holland America Line ship, the New Amsterdam, back during World War II. Um, so we have a little bit of a personal connection there. And he's got some great photographs in his in his album as well. Um, and so they'll be celebrating 147 years of um, of operations this week. Although with the world events, it's a pretty pretty subdued celebration. But um, you know, the future is is more than just um, the impact of 2020. There there is still um, a bright future for for cruising once all this is over. And they're working on their third Pinnacle class ship uh, at the moment, which is uh, you know, a very large design, um, around about 90, 95,000 tons. Um, and that's been worked on in the Fincanti area yards in Italy. So um, if all goes according to plan, and it's anyone's guess if it will, um, that should be coming into service um, in spring of next year. Yeah, let's hope. Fingers crossed. Um, I heard that Holland America in its 147 years has launched 150 ships that's incredible. That's mm, a, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a it's a huge operation over the over the years, and I think a lot of that um, heritage. I mean, obviously, it's had such a continual and long um, operation there. One hundred and fifty ships. Many of those would have been um, built as smaller ships on those transatlantic um, services back from its from its foundation. But um, again, it's it's just one of those ones that I think it, it focuses so strongly on what its current modern day um, off, offering is that you do forget that it has had such a long pedigree, along with some of the oldest and most uh, reputable lines out there. Yeah, and also like uh, Queen Mary in Long Beach, California, Holland America does have one of its uh, original vessels. It's not still owned by Holland America, but it's a, a floating hotel and a museum um, with a nod back to uh, the maritime history. So it's yeah, great, that's the Rotterdam in Rotterdam. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. A beautiful ship. Um, and she was again one of well, she was the last one that they built to to operate on the transatlantic. Although she very very rarely did it. And they made a made a decision pretty early in her career to to switch to full time cruising, um, but she stayed with the with the company until I think in the nineteen nineties when she was um, moved across to Premier Cruises and renamed. But then after that all fell apart, she was um, brought to the city of Rotterdam and turned into probably the most successful floating hotel that there has been because she's just so so loved by the people of the city. Great. Um... In a slightly non-cruise um, story, uh, Emirates are doing something interesting in Dubai, which we may see a rolled out to the cruise industry. Yeah, so Emirates is uh, started, well, they at least did a trial on testing 
passengers on a flight between Dubai and Tunisia um, for for COVID nineteen, and this was um, from what I can understand, it's a it's a test that that could get a quick result. So it allowed them to to ascertain whether or not people coming onto the aircraft had um, indications that they were carrying the virus or not. Um, what's interesting about this is that there's a lot of chatter around about how does the travel industry get out of this massive problem that they're in at the moment. And many commentators are saying, and you know, understandably, that, that we may have this disruption until a vaccine comes in. But um, there is some chatter around that if that never happens, um, and if a vaccine can't be found, and it's not a, not a guarantee, I suppose, that, that it can, um, then how do we get out of the situation again? And one of the things that's been talked about is the idea um, of testing people before they board aircraft or before they go on onto onto cruise ships um, around whether or not they have those markers that indicate that they're carrying the virus or not. Yeah, only time will tell, I guess. Now, speaking as the industry as a whole, uh, CLEAR, which is the Cruise Line International Association, um, are working uh, with all of the cruise lines on a new health policy. Yeah, so again, this is a sort of a follow-on on the, the previous topic, I suppose, in that there's been so much chatter around um, the impact that cruising's had on um, coronavirus, particularly in Australia, and many people are questioning how the ships are cleaned, how thoroughly the cabins are cleaned, how the interiors are cleaned, things around whether or not there's going to be buffets and that sort of thing in the future. Uh, and so I think Clear is trying to get um, all the cruise lines together to work out what a standard policy across the entire industry could be so that every cruise line is operating to the same high standards. And look, I mean, having cruised many times, and I'm sure you're the same, Barry, like I've never personally noticed any situation where it seems like the crew aren't continuously no. cleaning the ship. I mean, it's always being, always being cleaned and um, wiped down and surfaces are very, um, I mean, I remember just recently, a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of months ago when I was on Queen Mary 2 and I was just doing some filming for YouTube and the, the cleaners kept walking through and wiping down the railings and they have different colour cloths for the different surfaces and whether it's been... So it's, I think it's a mis misconception that ships aren't clean, um, but they are places where lots of people congregate, just like any major public space. Um, and so I think it's a, it's a good idea to make sure that all the cruise lines are operating from the same um, same set of rules, which is, I think, what the what CLEAR is trying to achieve here. Yeah, exactly. And whilst the cruise lines are fiercely competitive, at the end of the day, they, they've got one common goal, and that's to keep all of their crew and, and passengers safe, which they'll do their utmost, sorry, utmost to do. It's interesting, you know, because uh, this, this situation has really shown how the industry is stronger than its individual sort of rivalries, because... When, when they've all, like we spoke on the previous podcast about how the ships are sounding their whistles together in, in, um, in support of each other, they're all sharing the same imagery of um, the, the global fleet of cruise ships sailing with we will be back on it. Like they're all sharing the same messaging and stuff as well. So um, at its heart, it's stronger than the, than the rivalries and it's coming together. Um, to try and weather the storm as a whole, which is really Absolutely. a positive thing to see. Now, Carnival Corp, or part of Carnival Corp, the Holland America Group, um, are using eight ships to uh, return their crew to various places around the world. Yeah, so, I mean, this is an interesting one um, as well because they've got these these ships. Um, there's several ships from Princess, Regal, Crown, and Island Princess. There's a couple from um, Holland America, um, Veendam, Volendam, and New Amsterdam. Um, and sorry, also Caribbean princesses in there as well. And, and the Seaborn Quest from Seaborn, which is also a carnival brand. Um, 
they are in situations where their their ships aren't going to be bringing on passengers. They're sort of in a what we refer to as warm layup, in so much as they're still operational, but they're not really doing anything. Um, and because there's global um, airline restrictions around the world, because we mustn't forget that cruising is not the only one that's been hit here. Airlines are being terribly <laughs> hard hit with uh, with travel restrictions as well. And so the crew are on board these ships, but they can't dock in ports. They can't get their passengers off to go on. Uh, their, sorry, their crews off to go on um, aircraft. So instead, they're using the ships to take the crew home. And so they're traveling around, um, particularly up to the Philippines, for example, but also Indonesia and South Africa. And um, some of them are even going all the way back to Europe to drop off their European crew. Uh, and then they'll enter into a sort of more um, more reduced set of state of layup until the until they're recalled for duty. Absolutely. Uh, a little closer to home, Cruiser Maritime Voyages, who are popular in South Australia and Western Australia, they've just introduced a new peace of mind guarantee. Uh, and so with um, CMV, if you're booking um, a cruise now um, and later on the situation changes or you change your mind, they're actually going to be waiving fees and allow you to, to move your, your travel to another cruise, mm-hmm. um, I think even all the way through to 2022. Yeah, and as we know, there are a lot of uh, diehard cruisers. I think they estimate about 80% of the 1.4 million Australians that take a cruise have, have cruised more than once. They're regular cruisers, mm. and uh, once you cruise, you, you love it, and you will go back when the time is right. Yeah, and I think that a lot of the, the I mean, that's just it, over 80% um, are return passengers. Many of those will come back to cruising. Um, I did a little poll just on my Instagram, and 95% of people who responded um, and it was 127 responses over a couple of hours, so it was pretty pretty reasonable for a small Instagram channel. Um, but um, many of them, uh, 95% of them rather, said they would cruise again after um, COVID-19. And I think that that's probably just a little snapshot on what's what's going to happen around the world. I, d- I don't I don't buy into this chatter that cruising is 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 done for. I think that it um, is one of those things where. Um, the current situation is what it is, but once that has been resolved, uh, people will come back to the ships. Absolutely. And as we know, Australians travel for further and for longer than any other nationality, so we're all itching to go somewhere. <laughs> now, let's finish up with a, uh, a little good news story uh, centred around the Ruby Princess, which uh, is off the coast, or sorry, was in port uh, just in New South Wales. Yeah, so it's um, obviously been um, one ship that many Australians will know the name of now, and it's had so much... Um, so much bad press around it um, due to the impact that it's had. But I think some of the some of the people in the area were thinking about um, also sort of what the impact would be on the crew on board that ship. I mean they're there they're doing what they what they can do to in a bad situation, the crew on board, the Ruby Princess. Uh, and so some uh, a local resident um, she came together with various different authorities to organize uh, donations of, of items and also um, drawings and notes and messages from school-aged children which were delivered to the Ruby Princess before she left um, Australia. And as a thank you, the crew all gathered uh, on the ship's balconies and um, in, sort of together set out a, a very loud round of applause with clapping and cheering and other lines are also starting to encourage their, um, their communities to to get involved in, in um, congratulating and, and sending well wishes to the to the crew. Um, Cunard, for example, is using the hashtag Cunard Dreams and asking you to send messages of when you want to next travel and where you'd like to go with and, and, and sort of send your wishes to the crew. Um, and I know P&O Australia is also 
um, monitoring their social medias to send those messages um, onto the onto the crew who are on board the the three P&O Australia ships, um, which are currently off um, off the Philippines, I think. Uh, and so, yeah, you got to think about those people who make their life at sea, and they not only have to practice, um, you know, social distancing on on the ships that have had impacts, but but even on those who haven't, they're um, they're very isolated from the rest of the world and will be missing their families. So it's uh, it's important to to keep them in mind, particularly for those of us who who know many of the crew who when we travel on board quite regularly. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I think that's all we've got time for today, Chris. Thank you very, very much once again and uh, look forward to speaking to you next week. Thanks so much, Barry. And up next, we've got Bill joining us who uh, just took a family cruise on Carnival Splendor out to the South Pacific. Bill, welcome to the show. Thanks, Barry. It's uh, good to be here. So, I think you've been on Carnival before, is that right? Yeah, we did a uh, 12-night cruise, I think it was, about five years ago on the Carnival Magic uh, through the Mediterranean. Oh, okay. Yep. So this time you stayed a little closer to home, but uh, similar vibe, similar atmosphere on the the various Carnival ships. What was the reason for choosing this cruise? Well, it was my wife Fiona's 40th birthday um, in March, so um, we were looking for a cruise that um, would be at sea on the day of her birthday. Oh, yep. Uh, we were looking for something that was not too far from home, so um, somewhere close, and also we wanted something affordable because we'd asked a lot of family and friends, about 30 of us, to come along. Uh, and Carnival Magic uh, pretty much ticked all the boxes. So that's why we went with Carnival Magic. Sorry, Carnival Splendor. Oh, yeah, Magic was in Europe, Splendor's over here. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So there was 30 of you? Uh, well, we invited about 30. Uh, 21 of us ended up making the trip. Nice, nice. So, and um, so obviously you're here in Western Australia. You obviously flew over to Sydney. Did you have any pre or post time? Yeah, we flew over the day before, so we got to Sydney on the Saturday. Um, most of us all flew the um, the same flight. Uh, we had a night in Sydney, and then the next morning we just went to the ship. Uh, when we got back, uh, most of us stayed an extra two nights as well. So we stayed uh, in Sydney a couple of nights, uh, caught up with some family and friends, and then we came back home. Brilliant. Now... Um... Carnival Splendor can't fit under the bridge, so she would have departed from the overseas passenger terminal in Circular Quay. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, I guess when you get to the the terminal, you hand over your bags. Roughly, how long did it take you to get from curbside to the uh, to the atrium? It was probably about half an hour. We um, we got to the port uh, or the check in gate uh, at at our uh, time. And then we uh, did all the rigmarole of filling out forms, going through customs, whatever. And uh, probably within half an hour, we were at our cabin. So we dropped off our bags. Our cabins were ready. So we dropped off our hand luggage and pretty much went for lunch. So half an hour was pretty quick, actually. Brilliant. And you've obviously got kids. It was their first time on a a big ship with all the the big wow amenities. What was the, the vibe when you walked on? What really kind of stood out? Well, they were excited. Uh, they'd never seen a ship that size before. Uh, 
But one thing, uh, when we walked into the lobby, um, walked onto the ship for the first time, we saw um, saw the colours of the main lobby or foyer, yeah. and it, it reminded me of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It was just colourful <laughs> and bright, and it was just a huge wall of of pink, and everyone was really excited. So the ship was very colourful, very inviting. Yeah, I was really excited. From memory, very pink and green. I think I remember pink donuts everywhere for some reason. Yeah, when I first saw it, I actually thought it was a, a rock climbing wall. <laughs> wow, it's huge. Then I had a closer look and I went, oh, no, that's just the feature of the ship. So. <laughs> oh, nice. Now, before Sail Away, you obviously have to do a lifeboat drill. Um, just yeah. refresh our memory. To, with Carnival, do you have to get your lifeboat, sorry, your life jackets from your cabin, go to the, the meeting point and actually go to find your lifeboats or is it a bit simpler? Uh, no, ours, we didn't need our life jackets, uh, but we met where the lifeboats are. So we went up on, um, I can't remember the floor, but the relevant floor, and uh, we stood out near the the, uh, the actual lifeboats. Yep. So that took about maybe 20 minutes. And then once that was all done, uh, we could all depart and go our own way. Happy days. Time for sail away. Absolutely. <laughs> so... We'll go back to your cabin briefly. Um, you're a family of four, so it's obviously a quad share. Um, how did you find the space, the hanging, the bathrooms, any USBs, etc.? Yeah, the um, the room was a uh, good-sized room for four people. Um, of course, we don't spend a lot of time in there because we're out in the ship, but we had a balcony, um, and the children had a drop-down, like a bunk bed, and it dropped from the ceiling, so they were excited about that. Uh, the hanging space, I think, was pretty standard. Um, if you pack like us, there's nowhere near enough hanging space. <laughs> we, we like to pack for a couple of months. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we, it was good. The bathroom was standard size. Um, yeah, it was nice and neat and clean. So, yeah, we, we figured, we, we found we had enough, enough space in the cabin for all four of us. And the kids like the towel animals? They did, yeah, every day um, or every evening, actually, we'd, we'd come back to our room and we'd be wondering what sort of tower animal would be there. And <laughs> we had some, some good ones. We had a crab and a swan. Uh, there was an elephant. Uh, so, yeah, every night the steward would make up different ones and it was really cute. They had sunglasses on and all sorts of stuff. So he was fantastic, the, the uh, room steward. <laughs> and out of interest, did you try in-cabin dining or room service at all? We didn't. Uh, we preferred to eat at the restaurant uh, yeah. with um, with our family and our friends. We had two tables uh, where we all sat every night, so we preferred to to do that. And that that leads in quite nicely. So you used mostly the the main dining room, or a mixture of the the Lido buffet as well. We mainly for dinner. We we always ate at the ate at the dining room um, because we had our own own tables. Um, and we knew our waiters. Where well, our new our waiters got to know us uh, as the cruise went on. So we always sat there and we just uh, mixed seating arrangements every day. So we could all sit next to everyone uh, in our group. So we had two tables. So you would have been on fixed dining then, rather than as you wish. Yeah, we're on fixed dining. We're on the late dining. Uh, which worked out well because by the time the kids uh, did their activities, swam in the pool, we got them bathed and showered. We weren't rushing to 
to get down to dinner. So our uh, dinner time was 7.45, which worked out well for our family yeah. and our group. And uh, the kids liked the Dunsim Wheaters? They did. They loved it. The first night um, they announced it was showtime and everyone was wondering what showtime was and uh, one of the waitresses was singing and, yeah, the stewards would or the waiters would get up on a, on a podium and dance and, yeah, every night we were looking forward to what they were going to do that night. So that was really, really entertaining. Yeah, it's a good way to, to start the, the night, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, it was, yeah. Everyone was always looking forward to it. And did you try any of the speciality restaurants at all? The steakhouse? We, yeah, we didn't. Um, again, because we wanted to dine all together. Um, but on the main menu, um, there was an option where you could, for a small fee, you could pay and eat something from one of the specialty restaurants. Uh, we personally never took that option up. But, um, yeah, we preferred to eat uh, just by ourselves. Yep, yep. Out of interest, did you try the um, the Indian section at the back of the, the buffet near the Serenity Deck? Uh, we love Indian, yeah. It was good, wasn't it? <laughs> it was amazing. It was so good. You can't walk past yeah. it without trying it. Oh, absolutely. You, you walked out there. Every time you walked out there, you could smell it. You go, oh, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was fantastic. And with the kids, did they go to Camp Carnival, to the kids' club at all? They did, yeah. We put them in there. Um, they had their separate rooms because of their ages. Uh, but they had a couple of their friends, which were the same age as well on the cruise. Okay. So there was always two two children together. And, yeah, they went in uh, three or four times maybe. Okay. So that was good. Yeah, my kids love it too. They It's hard to get them out sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, uh, around about the ship, obviously, um, they encourage you to, to wash your hands before going into restaurants and things. Did you find lots of sanitizing stations and were the crew kind of trying to remind you or enforce it some way? Yeah, absolutely. When you walked on the ship, uh, before you, you walked on, there was actually a sanitizing station at the door. So you do that. Um, outside all the restaurants, there was always sanitizing stations and uh, the waitress, waitresses and waiters were pumping it into your hands as well, just to make sure. Yeah. Um, I also found the toilets. Every time you walked into a toilet, there was a, a steward walking out or one in there cleaning. Yep. So I found I found that really encouraging. And even just walking around during the day, there's always some a steward walking around wiping towel or handrails and uh, lift buttons. So yep. there was always cleaning going on, which I found really encouraging. Yeah, it's, it is. It's always good to to see them out and about and give you that that bit of assurance. Absolutely. Now, you had quite a lot of sea days on your itinerary, which obviously means that everybody on board the ship is everywhere. How did you find the flow? Could you find sunbeds? Could you find a, a quiet spot if you needed to? Yeah, definitely. There was lounges everywhere. And, um, for instance, even the piano bar where nothing was happening in there, you could walk into the piano bar and just sit down. And sometimes we walked in and there was someone reading a book. Um, so there was plenty of places to sit and relax or be with general population, um, plenty of quiet areas all over the ship. And on this ship, you kind of have to walk past the casino on one deck in particular. Did you notice a particular smoky style at all? Tobacco? Or... Yeah, there was no smoking in the casino. Not that I remember. Oh, I never walked, um, walked through there and 
could smell smoking. So uh, I, I'm not a smoker personally, yep. but I think deck 10 and deck six, I think it was, or five, where the foyer was, there was two areas that were specific smoking. Uh, so when you walked out there, there was obviously a group of people out there having a smoke, but definitely not inside the ship. Um, everywhere was non-smoking. Actually, yeah, now I've said that, I do remember it being outdoor only on the, the Carnival Australia ships. So, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, swimming pools, hot tubs, um, did the, you and the kids use them? Yeah, definitely. The, there was a couple of slides and the kids jumped into them on the first day after lunch. Um, we went straight to the water slides and we all had a go. So they, uh, they did them a few days in a row. They love the water slides. Um, there was a kiddie splash pool as well for the younger, younger children. Yep. And um, for the adults, there was an adult retreat as well, uh, which was obviously over 18. And you could sit in there and uh, relax or swim in the pool. There was a bar there, which always makes it good. Um, so yeah, there was plenty of swimming, swimming places. And did you and your friends kind of hang out together all the time or did you just do your own thing and then meet up for dinner in, in the evenings? Yeah, most of the time we were together. We, we'd sort of have a, a meeting point, like in the morning we'd, we'd go to breakfast and, uh, you'd run into your different group of friends and you say, what are you doing today? So we'd organize to meet by the pool or in a particular location. Sometimes we did our own thing. Um, some of us might want to go to a show or do an activity. So um, when, once they did that, uh, they pretty much know where to meet us later on. So we'd always be in sort of, I suppose, uh, common areas. So you'd always bump into each other. But yeah, sometimes we did things together. Sometimes we, we did things separate. Uh, most of the time, most of us were together. Nice. Now, we briefly spoke about Showtime in the, the, the restaurants. Um, obviously, there's lots going on throughout the day and also into the evening. I think at last count, on the last Carnival cruise I went on, there was something like 60 activities going on from, from sunrise to way past midnight. Um, what do you think of the shows and the live bands and music going on around the ship? They were fantastic. The live bands were really good. There was a pub called the Red Frog. Oh, yeah. And uh, every night they had a... Um, a live band in there that played for four hours or uh, five hours, whatever it was. Um, that was fantastic. Uh, the shows were amazing. We saw an illusionist show and um, it was it was pretty much just the staff that you'd see during the day doing this illusionist show and it was something you'd see on TV that professionals would do. It was, it was amazing. Oh, wow. There was an 80s um, tribute one night. So they were singing and dancing to 80s music. Uh, there was a stand-up comedy lounge as well and they had a, a comedian. He was there two nights in a row. Then the next two nights there'd be a different comedian and um, he'd do younger age shows. And then after 9.30, I think it was, he'd do adults only shows and he'd, he'd just leave you in stitches. It was so <laughs> funny. There was plenty to choose from, and there was a karaoke bar as well, a karaoke lounge, where my wife and her friend uh, <laughs> got on and sang a rendition of uh, Madonna's, uh, I can't remember the name of the song, <laughs> but uh, they sang Madonna's song, and that was hilarious, and everyone that got up was just so funny. 
you know, credit to them because I didn't have the courage. So. <laughs> and you mentioned it was your wife's uh, milestone birthday. Did you yeah. organise anything special on board? Yeah, uh, we we did. We organised a get-together on the day of her birthday in the piano bar. So for our group of friends, okay. we organised a, um afternoon tea, if you like. We had some drinks and some nibbles in the piano bar for an hour. And uh, everyone came and celebrated. And my mother-in-law brought a, um, a picture board, a photo board, which surprised Fiona. Okay. So uh, that had a ton of pictures on it. Um, then we had just a little cake, and, and that was fun. But also talking, Fiona was talking to the um, cruise uh, cruise manager, oh, yep. I think it was. Cruise director, yep. The cruise manager, yep. And um, she mentioned that it was her birthday, and the next day um, we went back to our cabin and the cruise manager and organised a bottle of champagne and some strawberry, chocolate strawberries. Oh, nice. Which was really nice for her with a little birthday card. So that was a, a really nice touch. Yeah, very good. Um, now we're going to talk about the ports that you went to. Obviously, we said you went out to the South Pacific. You had the three days at sea before you got to any of the islands. Sorry, I'll just quickly say where you went to. And if you want to say what you did there, whether it was a shore excursion, your own thing, what was the highlight? Uh, so the first port of call was Numia. We in Numia, we um, we did a hop on, hop off. That was organised by the cruise line. It was about twenty dollars for an adult and ten ten dollars or fifteen dollars for a child, um, and that pretty much took you around the island. So we jumped on that, and that took us to the markets. So uh, we got off on the markets, did a little bit of shopping. The kids bought a couple of necklaces and some knickknacks. And then we went to um, our second stop was a beach where we did a bit of swimming and snorkeling, crystal clear waters, beautiful waters. And then the third stop, we went closer, a little bit closer into town. So we got off the bus and it started raining. And I'll tell you what, it was absolutely hammering down. So we got drenched, which was fun. <laughs> the kids loved it. And uh, <laughs> we went back to the ship after that and um, got changed and enjoyed the ship. So Numia was was beautiful. It was fantastic. And from Numia, we you went to Mystery Island next. Mystery Island was amazing. Uh, we got the um, the tender from the ship to the to Mystery Island because there was no uh, jetty or port or whatever there. So we hired a cabana. Or we hired a couple of cabanas for some shade, and we we swam on the island and um, did a bit of snorkeling and. At the at Mystery Island, you could uh, go into the sort of the main part where, again, shopping was. There was little markets and things, and uh, the kids had their hair braided for a few dollars. It was like five dollars or something to get their hair braided, which was dirt cheap. And you could have photos with lizards, so that was that was pretty exciting. The kids didn't want to go anywhere near them, but um, <laughs> yeah, they put them on your shoulders and on your head. Okay. And got some photos with them. <laughs> and from there on to Port Vila, where I believe you stayed overnight? We did. We we obviously stayed on the ship overnight, but the ship was there overnight. We did our own tour. Fiona had organised a uh, tour bus for our group. And uh, from there we went to the Blue Lagoon. Uh, and that was just, the water was like blue, like a deep aqua blue. It was amazing. You could swim and... Um, swim in that, that port or that bay 
then we went to the turtle sanctuary where you could swim with the turtles and they made us some lunch as well, uh, which I, I really enjoyed. It was um, like barbecued meat off the coals with some veggies and some chips, which was really nice. That was good. And then we went to, um, we were taken to a, a place called Hideaway Island, which was just off Port Vila. And there, it was like a coral reef island. And the water was just crystal clear. And you could swim out maybe 10 metres and there'd be snorkeling. There'd be a nice big reef there so you could snorkel and have a look at the fish. So we were there for about an hour and a half or so. After that, we went back to the main island where we went to a, a bar called the Beach Bar. And we had dinner there. Um, that was at our own expense, but that's okay. We had dinner there and they put on a fire show, which went for just over an hour, I think it was. And that was amazing. So to see the um, the talent that these people had was just incredible. And after that, we went back to the ship. It was a long day, but um, fully enjoyable. I think it was the kids' highlight as well of our port visit visits. Um, yeah, the fire show was incredible. I was just about to say, actually, out of everywhere you went, was there a highlight that made you go, wow, and I'd love to go back again? Yeah, definitely the highlight was Hideaway Island. Um, there was a bit of a, a small resort on there and it's the sort of place you could go to, spend three days there and just totally relax. It was so relaxing. I'd definitely go back to Hideaway Island again. Nice. So with Carnival, gratuities are included, so you don't need to pay anything extra whilst you're on board. That's right, I think. Yeah, we didn't pay any gratuities out of our own pocket. So, but at the end of the cruise, um, our group, we all put in a few dollars each and uh, we gave some to our waitresses and waiters yeah. and we gave some to our cabin steward. Um, so everyone pitched in a little bit and yeah. just for their efforts and um, the the fun time that they gave us, uh, we thought it'd be nice just to give them something to to go on with. Yeah, it makes a difference. I, like, I really like... Um, fixed dining because you really get to build up a relationship with your, your waiters whereas as you wish you end up with a different waiter every night and you just don't get that rapport going exactly right which is mainly why we all decided to go to fixed dining every night um, because our waiters and waitresses on the second night they remember your name they got amazing memories I'll tell you <laughs> and uh, they remember what you drink and they come and ask you if you want that again before you even say anything so um, yeah, they, they make it really special. And you mentioned briefly that uh, Fiona, your wife, had spoken to the cruise director. Um, I, I A lot of people say that cruise directors don't make any difference, but I think if you get a really good cruise director, it can really just elevate your cruise to the, to the next level. What did you think of the cruise director? Um, and did you see much of them? Yeah, saw heaps of them. They were always at the show, um, the shows in the audience. They were sitting there and they were obviously doing the announcing and whatever. Uh, but even when you passed them um, on the on the ship, they'd always stop and say hello and have a chat. And they're always so friendly. They always had a smile on their face. Yeah. So they're not walking around with their heads down and they're just adding to the atmosphere. So I think they make an enormous difference. You know, every time you saw them, you'd say hello and they'd stop and chat. They were, they were great. They would definitely make a difference. Yeah. And if, Carnival was listening to this, who knows whether they do, um, and you wanted to get one message back to the, the the chiefs of Carnival, what would it be, good, bad, or indifferent? 
Oh, one message. That's a tough one, Mary. <laughs> you can have more than one. Yeah. Oh, look, I'd say to Carnival Cruise Lines, thank you very much for making such a fantastic cruise. I mean, there's so many things to do on it. If anyone goes on a cruise line and says they're bored, then they're just not living. There's so many different things to do. And uh, Carnival Cruise Lines just create that, that fun environment. So I just want to say thank you for everything that you guys do. And keep it coming because I want to do a few more cruises. <laughs> Me too. Was there a particular area of the ship that was your, your favourite? Favourite? Kiss Club. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, favourite area. I'm not sure. There was there was lots that I went to um, a few times, actually. One was the arcade. Me and my friend Brett, we we went to the arcade and we were swiping our card. Ooh, uh, dangerous. <laughs> I was... We didn't put a limit. We didn't know you could put a limit on that, on your card. And anyway, we after about an hour, I just said, oh, limit reached. I said, oh, what do you mean? So um, it was good fun, and that was us. That wasn't for the kids. <laughs> so um, that was good. Um, another favourite area, by the pool re- relaxing, I, I took my Sudoku book up and a couple of times and sat in the sun, got a bit of a nice tan. Um, that was good. So, yeah, there was heaps of areas that were really good. And it just out of interest, were any of your group first-time cruisers? Yeah, a, a number of them were. There was only uh, maybe half a dozen of us that had cruised before. How, um, how was their reaction when they walked onto the ship for the first time? And We sort of tried to explain to them what to expect and how much there was to do. And when they first walked on and they saw how colourful it was, you just see their eyes light up. <laughs> After the first couple of days, when they get a grasp of how much entertainment there is to do and how many things there are to do, um, by the end of the cruise, we were asking them, would you cruise again? And they were absolutely. So, yeah, they, they enjoyed it. I think they really enjoyed it. I don't think they really understood just how fun cruising is because they'd never experienced it. Yeah, no, it's, it's so always great to see first-time cruisers and, and, and how they react to everything from the minute they walk on and from the minute they walk off. And, uh, yeah, it's it's just a, a great thing to sit and people watch. Absolutely. Um, thanks for your time, Bill. Really appreciated it. And uh, really great to get your insight into the to your thoughts on Carnival and Carnival Splendor. Just a reminder to our listeners, if you are keen on the Carnival Cruise, you can head to our sponsor's website, cruisefinder.com.au, where you'll find both Carnival Splendor and Carnival Spirit, which is here seasonally in uh, Australian waters. Bill, thank you very, very much, mate. Thank you, Barry. Thanks for the opportunity. And it was a fun cruise and it was fun doing this podcast. So... That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.